Welcome back, everybody, to the Unfair Advantage Show. Jim Harris here, your guide, your Sherpa, to help you learn how to unleash the full power of Holy Spirit in your business based upon the book, as you know, Our Unfair Advantage. As we now are launching into, we've had several shows already, and now we're in the part of our teachings at the very beginning of the book where we're looking at the ways that we can be so easily misled in business. Even Christians can be misled. We've said before, and I'll say it again, one of the most important things I learned as I was going from being purely secular business-led to Holy Spirit business-led is that I first had to deprogram myself, at least be aware, be aware of how the world attempts to get me out of being Spirit-led in my business. This was so important to just deprogram before I launched into learning how to unleash the power of Holy Spirit because I would always go back and fall upon these misleading keys that we're going over in some detail. It's critical that you hang in there and reflect on these as we go forward. Last time, last show, we looked at the downside of being too head-led. Today, we're going to look at probably, more than likely, what is the number one most important way that Satan tries to manipulate us in business under the auspices of doing something good as he slightly tries to mislead us, and that's being too money-led, too money-led. Is money important to Jesus? You're going to see that it is, no doubt about it. But I have three revelations for you today on what it means to be righteously money-led versus unrighteously money-led. The first thing we're going to do is that we're going to look at, as our launch verse for today, 1 Timothy chapter 6, and I want us to look at two verses in two different versions. I'm going to read in the New King James Version first. 1 Timothy 6, verse 9 and 10. Very familiar verses to us. But those who desire to be rich, that is wealthy, nothing wrong with being rich, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Verse 10, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which we've strayed from the faith and greediness and pierced themselves through many, many sorrows. I want to read one other version of this in the Amplified Version because it gives us fresh insight as to what Paul was really telling Timothy about this love of money. 1 Timothy 6, 9 and 10 in the Amplified Version. But those who are not financially ethical, not financially ethical, and they crave to get rich with a compulsive, greedy longing for wealth. I'm not suggesting that's you, but that's where it can end up. We've all seen men and women like this. Just watch Shark Tank. <laughs> I don't want to say any more. And crave to get rich with a compulsive, greedy longing for wealth. They fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmless desires that plunge people, plunge people into ruin and destruction. We've all seen it leading to personal misery. For the love of money, that is, the, the greedy desire for it and the willingness to gain it unethically. That's what we're really focusing on today in this show, on the money-led, not to be too money-led, to do anything we need, including unethically, 
That is the root of all kinds of evil. And in fact, in Matthew 6, 24, the word says, Jesus was teaching, you can't serve God and mammon. And when you look at the word mammon, same thing that Paul was writing about to Timothy, mammon is that greed, that, 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 the riches, any kind of riches that are opposed to the way God would want you to get those, subtle or major. So we all know we, we don't want to deal with that unrighteous wealth. But let me give you a couple of examples of how Jesus in his ministry, absolutely, and here's the revelation number one. It's not so much a revelation as it is a confirmation. I have two more revelations I want to share to you that are truly revelations. This is as much a confirmation as a re revelation. Number one, when it comes to being money-led, Jesus disdains unrighteous wealth. Jesus disdains unrighteous wealth building in your business. Let me give you a couple of examples of what that looks like. Then I'm going to give you two things that Jesus did at the very beginning and the very end of his ministry to, to demonstrate this truth. Uh, years ago, I was leading a, I was a branch manager for a multi-million dollar leasing, truck leasing and transportation company is one branch of many across the country, had about 20 staff, a unionized mechanic shop, 12, 14 guys, sales staff, administrative staff. And we had one of our major clients, one of our major clients, they always paid their invoices 91 days after the original invoice was sent, not 90 days, which was the grace period our company had. It was 91 days. Why? They were greedy. They used our money at the company to leverage everything they were doing for three months, and then they would pay us three months later, one day late. They were seeking unrighteous wealth, and headquarters did not let me do anything to change that. Why? Because they were such a big customer of mine. They permitted this unrighteous wealth of a customer trying to pay us. I could go into all kinds of details of the issues that raised, but I've lived it myself, and that is not the way any of us want to do business. In fact, Jesus, in John 2, and then in Matthew 21, Mark 11, and Luke 19, I'm going to give you all these. You just go back and look at them. In John 2, verses 13 through 17, Jesus' first public appearance, get this, his first truly public appearance after changing the water into wine was what most people say, cleansing the temple. You know really what that was? Jesus was making a bold statement to the unrighteous wealth builders right outside the synagogue, outside the temple. They were greedily, greedily taking unrighteous wealth from the Jews coming to worship at the times of Passover and the other festivals. The very first thing he did in public ministry was turn over the money changers tables. And he said, you friends, and if you do a study, and maybe we'll come back and do a full show on this. What he was demonstrating, I'm bankrupting you. When those tables were turned, where those unrighteous money changers were changing the, the foreign currencies and taking ungodly amounts of capital 
unrighteous amount. She said, there's a, there's a new sheriff in town. This is not the way God manages wealth and business, particularly outside my temple. That was John 2. And one of the very last things Jesus did on the way to the cross in Matthew 21, Mark 11, and Luke 19 was exactly the same thing. He came in with a whip and he drove out the evil money changers. Friends, don't get this. At the beginning, at the end of Jesus' ministry, he said, I disdain unrighteous wealth to the point to where I'll make a whip and I'll, and I'll drive you out from around my God and my temple. We all know what's happened to some people that were too money-led in the Bible. Just a couple of quick examples. Um, in John 12, uh, Judas was very, very upset when he saw Mary Magdalene break the alabaster jar poured over Jesus. That was a year's worth, most people suggest, of wages in this beautiful frankincense and this beautiful, these oils. He said, why did you do that? We could have sold it to the poor, but we know he was crooked. He was led into unrighteous wealth, even selling Jesus, as you know, and giving him to the authorities. He was not the only one that was too money-led. Another that really strikes at me is Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5. Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5, they, as you know, if you studied it at all, they held back what they had already promised God in terms of a tithe from a sale of land. And they were caught, and God did not take that lightly. God did not take their lying and their unrighteous desire to gain wealth Lightly, as you know, they um, they met their ma- they met their maker very soon after being caught. <clears throat> and you know, to me, one of the saddest of all. And I'm not saying this man earned his earned his wealth unrighteously, but it so captivated him. And that was the rich young ruler in Mark 10 and Luke 18. When you read the story in Mark 10 and Luke 18, this rich young ruler said, I've done all these things, Jesus. You know the story. What do I need to do to get to heaven? And Jesus, knowing how much wealth and riches and being money-led was part of his being, he said, sell it. Give that. Give it away to the poor. Get rid of it. Don't be led by money. And then here's something that Jesus said, come follow me. Do you realize that as far as I can see, as far as I can tell in my studies, The rich young ruler was the only person Jesus asked in these words, come follow me, besides the 12 apostles. Could it have been that Jesus was inviting this rich young ruler, knowing that Judas was going to betray him? Could it be, come follow me, that Jesus was actually inviting him to be the 12th apostle? I don't know, but it's worth reflecting on that Jesus, number one, disdains unrighteous wealth. Now, <clears throat> I'm not at all suggesting that's where you are. I want to I give you some now uplifting news about this money-led. And once again, this is, this is just reminding us not to be too money-led. The second revelation that I want to share with you on money-led comes from a combination of Matthew 25, parables of the talents, and then Luke 19, the parable of the minas. Two very parallel stories coming up with the same conclusion but going about it two different ways. In Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, 
in this story, Jesus, as you know, is one of the most popular ones for us in business. Jesus, because of their skill level, this was actually, he gave 10 to one who was really, really, really skilled, five according to his level, and then one to the one who was not as level, and not as at least, um, at least proficient, apparently, in the marketplace. And he said, go do business until I come. He went off on a trip. It could have been three months. could have been six months. It may have been up to a year. You know, merchants then would go for many, many months doing deals and coming back to Jerusalem. And so this was very common in Jerusalem, in the economy, in the marketplace, where the owner of the business would go to different countries and different cities and do business and develop trade back to, in this case, Jerusalem. I want you to go and study Matthew 25 with these eyes, that the first man, get this, he went and traded. What was his return on investment? How much did he bring back to Jesus? Do you know how much he brought back? He had a 100% return. He invested and earned 100%. The second did the same thing. The first two employees gained 100%. What Jesus gave them, they went and doubled it, 100%. Let me ask you this. If you're in sales, you're in business. Do you have a three-month or a six-month or a one-year goal of doubling your business? Do you? How would you like it if your boss came to you and you're in the marketplace somewhere in some types of sales or management? I want you to double your business in six months. How would you take that? Well, these men did. And Jesus said, well done, good and faithful servants. The second revelation that I want to share with you that I want to see that we'll share with you also how the parable of the minus plays into exactly the same the second revelation on being money-led is this. Jesus expects us to create righteous wealth. Let me say that again. Jesus expects us to create righteous wealth. In fact, well done was doubling it. But now let's look at Luke 19, parable of the minus. I want you to go and study this on your own. This is a revelation to me of how much Jesus expects us and in fact, you say 100%. When you go and look at this parable of the minus, he gave 10 minus to 10 different people. Now get this, a talent on the skill level, a talent is roughly by many, many, many people who have studied this and said this is what a talent would have meant back then in today's economy. The parable of the talents was $1 million each. So he gave one person $10 million, one $5 million, and one $1 million. This was a huge amount of money. He said, go trade, 100% return. On the minas, the minas were probably the best from all the sources that I read. A mina was probably about $10,000. So about $10,000. So this is not just chump change. It's not just a few pennies. This was enough money in this parable to get people to listen. My goodness, if my boss gave me this much what would I do with it? In the parable of the minus, all were given the same amount. But this time, the very first employee, go back and read in Luke 19, he didn't come back with 100% return. You know what he came back with? A 1,000% return. I'm not going to break that down. I want you to go back and study it for yourself. I'm here to lead you. I'm here to be a Sherpa 
to be your business Sherpa, to help you walk up your spiritual mountain so that Holy Spirit reveals to you what he wants to do through you for the glory of Jesus, through you and your business. So I'm leading you into your own study. Luke 19, the very first employee returned 1,000% to the master. The second employee, 500% ROI. You go do the math yourself. I want you to study it. I'm your teacher, and I'm giving you some homework to go study. In these two examples, Jesus expects us to create righteous wealth. In one case, it was 100%, and then in a second case, it was 1,005, another 500% return on investment. Jesus expects us to create righteous wealth, and when we do, we can expect to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, are, do you fail if you don't return 100% or 1,000%? No, 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 no. But the way you go about getting that wealth is the most important thing. So, the first revelation for today is that Jesus disdains unrighteous wealth. The second one, Jesus expects us to create righteous wealth. And here's the third revelation. This also really comes from the parable of the talents and the minus. It's about that third employee, the one that did nothing, that hid the money. And as you know in the stories, Jesus was not happy he cast them into darkness, take that away from him, give it to the one with ten. Here's the third revelation. And I want, you to, I want you to chew on this. Because in today's environment, where we are worldwide, this is really goes against the grain. Number three, money-led revelation for this teaching. Jesus expects you to take righteous risks. He expects you to take righteous risks. Do you think it took a lot of, quote-unquote, risk-taking for the, the two employees and the talents and the two employees in the minus to go about attempting to return that much back to the master to make that type of ROI? You bet it did. But they were doing it for the master, through the master in these parables, may I imply through righteous ways, and look at the supernatural reward that they receive. Friends, I'm going to challenge you. Jesus expects you to take righteous risks. And how will you know if it's righteous? Well, if it's led by Holy Spirit. And in the next show, I'm going to give you some examples of how you can help qualify if it's a righteous or unrighteous investment through going through some other keys of being misled and how we can make sure we're not being misled. So come back to the next show. Be ready for the next show. It's already outlined. We're going to record it very soon. Righteous risks are something that you need to ponder and ask the Lord, how can I take this? Is this a righteous risk? Is this worthy of you, Jesus? Is this a risk you want me to take? Is this a stepping out of the boat for me? I'll tell you part of what you're seeing right now in this show. This is a righteous risk for me. One of the biggest quote-unquote risks he's asked me to take, that Jesus has asked me to take, is simply this. He said, I want you to put on pause your for-profit global business consulting network, and I want you to launch a business ministry based upon the book, Our Unfair Advantage. I want you now, Jim Harris, I want you to now walk fully in quote-unquote 501c3 ministry. Friends, that was not an easy step for me to make. 
having been in business since I was a teenager, one way or another. So this is really a righteous risk. But you know, the rewards that I anticipate that Jesus has for me, I haven't seen them yet, but I can already verify to you that there have been literally thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars that have been gifted to me to even get this show to you that I would not have gotten if I did not take the righteous risk. This show is evidence. You getting this, you hearing this, you studying this is an example of a righteous risk I was willing to take, and God is starting to flow many, many, many blessings through this. I pray that this show will be a blessing, and we've got so much more to go, so much, so much further to go. So today, on being, on being money-led, I really wanted to give you a quick overview. Not to be too money-led. Is money important to Jesus? Absolutely. He, he, number two, he expects you to take righteous risks. Or number three, he, ta- he expects you to take righteous risks. Number one, he expects... He, uh, number two, let me go back. Let me start. I'm so excited about this. Let me start all over again. All right. Let me wrap this up again. You know, sometimes guys like me, my head and my tongue go faster than, than they should. I need to slow down and just, so I mean, hey, no one's perfect. So thank you for allowing me to be a little bit imperfect. On today's show, once again, I just wanted to point out three massive revelations so that we're not too money led. Number one, that Jesus disdains unrighteous wealth. We know that for sure. Number two, he expects us to create righteous wealth. You hang with us, and I, through interviews, through case studies of many men and women that are doing this right now, what we're talking about, creating righteous wealth, you will soon learn. Stay with us. We'll have entire shows of interviews and case studies of how men and women are doing this across many types of businesses. That's where Unfair Advantage Show is going. So number two, we need to create righteous wealth. Jesus expects us. And number three, he expects us to take righteous risks. As you study the book, as you go, in fact, I just want to let you know, the audio book is now available. If you like to listen to books, I encourage you, go to Amazon, Spotify, download the Unfair Advantage, our Unfair Advantage audio book. I encourage you to take that and take it along with you. Then you can parallel with the shows as we teach and go deeper from the book. When you look at the book, I've got like one paragraph on money led. This is an entire show that goes deeper and gives you far more revelation. That's why we're doing this. That's why we're taking our time in this entire show, so we can give you much deeper, wider, and broader revelation and application on what Jesus asked me to do in writing the book a few years ago. So, today's activation on being money led. Just ask yourself, on a scale of 0% to 100%. This is what I would ask you if I was advising you, if I was walking along as a mentor or spiritual business Sherpa, I'd ask you on a scale of 0 to 100%, what percent of the business decisions you make are primarily money-led? Primarily money-led. I would dare say that very likely it's over 80%. More than likely, it's over 90%. It might even be 95%. Righteous risks don't look at that. They don't look at that. In fact, it may go totally against the grain of conventional business wisdom, the things that Jesus may be asking you to consider and to do for His glory. On a scale of 0 to 100%, how often is money the primary reason? That's worthy of reflection and 
communion intercession with the Lord. And number two, for me, the heart of today, the activation for today, my heart for you today, and this is, is simply this, to purpose in your heart from this day forward to only seek righteous wealth building for the glory of Jesus. May that be forever on your conscience, forever in your heart, to ask yourself, is this building wealth righteously to glorify the Lord? And when you do, I could even call this the fourth revelation for today. When you only seek righteous wealth for the glory of Jesus, number four, you can expect supernatural business returns. He just gave me that as I was sharing this. He said, Jim, make it a fourth revelation. When you do business my way, you can expect supernatural business returns. And we'll teach you much, much more about that as we continue. So I hope this has been encouraging. I hope this has been convicting. I hope this has been a show that you may want to go back and listen to again. In fact, please, 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 please share this show. Share the app, how to get the app, coming on jcceos.com. Register to download the app. I'm going to tell you more later about why we ask you to go to our app and download it. There's a very, very significant reason we'll share later. But for today, may you purpose in your heart not only to only seek righteous wealth, but also may you purpose in your heart to always and only be led by Holy Spirit. We'll see you next time on the Unfair Advantage Show. Thanks for joining us today.